dear podcast listener, we accept the fact that we have to sacrifice not only our Wednesdays, but our Fridays as well to entertain you. But we think you are crazy to make us do a promo telling you who we think we are. When you listen to our podcast, you think you know who we are, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a dork. Uh, and a basket case. And I'm a princess. And I'm a pothead. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Prime Podcast. again, everyone, or anyone really, and welcome to the Pocket Dump Podcast, the PDPC for short. The program all about what you need with you to meet the day, and maybe what you don't. This episode's interview is part two of two, so if you're listening in because of a product you want to hear a preview of, or something like that, the middle section of this show might not make the most sense. You can, of course, go back and download episode seven, or skip past the interview when it comes up. But, the interview is the important part. Every episode, I try to get into not only what people carry and how, but also why. If you have two knives on you, why? If you don't carry a flashlight, is it because you expect your phone to do that work? See, I'm a big believer that people are what they do. Or, at least, what they are ready to do. Now, that doesn't make Rob or prior guests Chris or Christopher killers because they carry guns any more than it makes Duff a gremlin for breaking just everything. It doesn't make me anything other than a podcaster. Rogue Intel's own Chris Tricola is a sport fisherman. It's not what he does for a living, but is what he would do every day if he could. And that informs what he carries and how he carries. We who carry these things in our pockets or on our belts or in our bags are the people who believe that almost anything can be fixed. We're the people who want to help. A guy with a multi-tool on his belt will help you move. The guy who thought to carry bike tools to the bike race will help you out if you bust something. Firefighters are the ones who run into a burning building. That's different than the way that I think. So maybe she's an adrenaline junkie, or maybe she just can't stand the idea of someone getting left in there. I want to know that stuff. And the way to learn about someone is to have them dump their pockets for me. What you bring with you every time you leave the house. Those things you cannot live without. Tell me, or at least start to tell me, who you are as a person. If you think I love the gear, you are not wrong. Multi-tools, knives, flashlights, gadgets, widgets, sprockets, and cogs, I dig it all. Not only because I get a kick out of knowing I could take apart whatever I'm looking at without a toolbox, but because there are so many tiny little variations, so many ways to solve the same problem, and that intrigues me. Okay, let's start the program. I am not here to tell you what to buy. But, so far in the history of the program, I know personally of a half dozen incidents of someone purchasing gear as a direct result of the show. I was one of them, with the Broas multi-tool I mentioned in the last reverse engineering segment. One more was the modest and mighty Gerber Shard that now rides along with Rogue Intel's own founding partner Duff to prevent him from breaking more multi-tools. Rob, whose interview concludes on this program, not only crammed, which we'll talk about, but after our talk and before the episode uploaded, found and purchased the Buck Apex, which I previewed in the past. He told me via email that it weighs nothing, but the pocket clip is too long. Also, Elio Chris bought a Gerber MP600 bladeless because he, like me, carries a knife. Chris got a great deal online for the Gerber. He paid $35 on Amazon. Part of me wishes he'd gone to a local knife shop or even a sporting goods chain store somewhere to handle it first and then buy it there. But I can't make him. And I can't make you either. While I encourage shopping face-to-face -face at locally owned stores, I'm not going to turn Amazon off. Hell, I even shopped for my new phone on Amazon. But one thing I did was get to Amazon by going to rogueintel.com slash Amazon, 
we here at the Rogue Intel Network have set up an affiliate program with the Internet's own gift shop through RogueIntel.com so that if you do get something from them, it doesn't cost more and Prime even still works. But if you do buy what we sent you to buy, we get rewarded for bringing you in. I'm sure I've sent some of you off to the Internet to at least price check stuff. Now, if you want to get something you heard about on the PDPC from Amazon, you type in rogintel.com slash Amazon. Better yet, bookmark it. It's like dropping your change in a tip jar for the Pocket Dump Podcast, Pure Orgasmic Love, the Powerful Nerdcast, Proofed, Prime, the shows that don't start with the letter P like Candid with Lona Mori and Now That I'm Older. We will use the revenue for stuff the network needs. So, if you want to pick something up that you heard about here on the program, do it this way and it'll count toward that. Or, if you just want some new socks, or a remote-controlled drone, or any of those toys that Dragonfly and Swamp Ape recommend, go to rogantel.com slash Amazon and find it. There's a link in the show notes from episode 7 that I'm going to repeat this time out because I really do recommend it, it's super cheap, and because you can't get it anywhere else. Rob mentioned the Coast HP-1 as his backup flashlight, and I, just to look up its stats and see its image, could only find it on Amazon. This model is no longer sold by Coast. It was always produced by Leadlenser, who are now bringing their stuff in through Leatherman. More like Leatherman, am I right? So the Coast-branded HP-1 is a single-cell, double-A pocket torch that, if you go with the lithium-ion battery puts out 220 lumens. With an off-the-shelf duragizer, it makes 92 lumens. It's got a tail cap power switch, a good pocket-slash-belt clip, and a hexagonal nut thingy to keep it from rolling off the table or anything. But my favorite feature of these type of lights is the slide focus. In one hand, you can push the lens from floodlight to spotlight with just your thumb. There might be better lights and smaller lights. There may even be better smaller lights, but this is a lot of brightness in a pocket-friendly package, and it's just over $10. Amazon link is in the show notes for 10 and change plus shipping. Get them as gifts. Leave one in every glove box in the family or every go bag. It's a no-brainer. Now, if stuff like this comes up in the future, Amazon only, I will go ahead and do segments like this again, but I will never lie to you about gear, ever. This time out, rather than do a preview of a thing, I'm going to do a preview of three things. Partially, because to do a preview of each of them would take almost a month. Partly, because I've seen things like each of these before, and also in part because they are all made by the same firm and designed by the same guy, a speed climber and expert rigger who climbed the nose at Yosemite in less than three hours. That's 2,900 vertical feet in less time than it takes me to explain how awful the movie Prometheus was. To anyone who would listen, that's who. Full disclosure, my wife thinks that Prometheus is my favorite movie, secretly, because I cannot shut up about it, so let's not get me started on that. So, Hans Florine is a boss. I believe that's clear. And, in partnership or sponsorship or whatever, he designed a climbing folder, which I'm going to save for last, a climbing fixed blade, which I'll get to in a minute, and a climbing rigging multi-tool that I'm going to slam into a wall repeatedly right now. Taking some design cues from the SOG switch plier and incorporating the tools most useful for a trapeze artist, the Bivy multi-tool weighs in at 7.7 ounces and has a one-hand open blade with VEF serrations, a marlin spike, the pop-open pliers I mentioned, a Phillips, but it's that flat-bladed Phillips you've seen on some other devices, like the Leatherman Crater, a flat-tip screwdriver, and, of bleeping course, a bottle opener. This is a climbing multi-tool with thought given to bottles, which are made of glass, therefore have weight to them even when they're empty, and usually contain alcohol, which, at high altitudes, contributes to death in just all kinds of ways, as well as when you're hanging off skyscrapers. You know what? Forget it. There's a notch, big deal. Also forget that it weighs a little bit too much. The sin starts all the way at the back, where the lanyard hole is. It's smaller than that angled cutout lanyard hole on the Honda Accord of multi-tools, the Leatherman Wave. This multi-tool has a pocket clip, which is good, but the lever on the side of the body that pops open the pliers and also pushes the other way to lock any of the other tools in place makes it seem rather wide, I guess. 
As well as looking far too much like a 1966 hand phaser, it commits the cardinal sin for a tool like this. It's hard to hold. I dropped it and all I did was watch the YouTube video. The CRKT produced video. A glamour shot video clip of this tool made me hate it. This beast just doesn't seem right to me. Not if I'm shopping with the switch plier in the same display case. So there's a neck knife or boot knife or sheath knife thing called the hyphenate. And it's fine. One feature just baffles me, though. I don't have to confess to being a giant nerd, do I? That comes through, doesn't it? Well, in case you had any illusions about me, I used to go to my local Renaissance fair on opening weekend in costume. In costume, for a dweeb like me, means homemade armor and mail-order swords. Every one of my circle of friends ordered the same Pakistani-built Viking broadsword, crescent guard, scallop, pommel, and each of us in what can be described as man-crafting, set about changing that sword in such a way as to be unrecognizable. We were awesome! Once we got to fair, that's what all the cool kids call it, fair, we would be forced to peace-tie our swords. I'm getting to the point, guess this is still the PDPC. If I didn't do the setup, this next bit wouldn't make any sense. Peace-tying is, naturally, the process of securing your sword, or battle axe, or whatever, so that you wouldn't be able to pull it out and kill someone for making fun of your costume, I suppose? This fixed-blade climbing knife, called the hyphenate, has a large hole in the handle that lines up with a large hole in the plastic sheath, so that you can hang the knife on a carabiner in such a way that it cannot be opened. Now, I don't think I get it. It's for mountaineering. And if you hang it from your gear like that, you have to unclip it from yourself to separate the blade from the sheath, and that requires two hands. Or, better yet, you could secure it almost any other way known to man. The sheath has a paracord-sized hole, six of them, for threading onto a strap or a neck or hanging on your calf. And hey, presto, you can draw the knife like people have been doing since, I don't know, when was leather invented? Taking that away, it's a good, light kit knife with those big, deep, this time flat-topped, VEF serrations. And a nice point. 8CR 13MOVs, your steel this time. Good thumb ramp and jimping, but although the sheath is ambidextrous, that means you can put the knife in with the blade to the left or to the right, because of that hole feature, the plastic rides up so high that when you pull the knife, you don't have your real grip on the handle. Then you have to jiggle it a little, and I assume that's when you would drop it. Now, I'm not saying that you are going to drop it, but if you were going to, this would be when that happens. This knife is a great little piece, but if I'm tangled in rigging, and this is what I brought, and I am drowned, or burned, or plummeted, or was eaten, then Hans Florine's ass is haunted. I would break every coffee cup he owned. Drink it from a cereal bowl, you twerp, I don't even care! So let's say for a second that it's me, tangled in a net on a boat that is sinking, while on fire and being prowled by that goddamn thing from Leviathan, or the Cathoga or something. Spellcheck knows what a Cathoga is, but didn't know the word decry. And the hyphenate falls because of that grip change, and it's slippery because the handle is just a tang and no scales, and I couldn't even wrap the handle with paracord because that scabbard rises up so high on the grip. I'm still going to be okay. I mean, the giant sea piranha might still get me, but I'm not stuck in the net for long because the third preview today is like a solo home run after a swing and a miss and a foul ball into the stands. The NIAD, which stands for Nose in a Day, we get it, Hans, you're awesome, is a 5CR 13MOV, 1 and 3 quarter inch blade with, yes, VEF serrations. I wrote this script out longhand, and every time I wrote out V-E-F-F, it looked a little more like the Van Halen symbol. So... Chisel ground, flat, frame lock, like the Buck Apex, unlike the Apex's design flaw of adding a scale to keep the knife from, I don't know, graffiti tagging the inside of your pocket, maybe? The Nyad more closely resembles CRKT's own Kiss or Peck. I have a Peck in my daily carry, and it has a weakness. I can only get a grip on the Peck when it's on a key ring, because there is so little real estate to grab it by. The Peck is designed like that, and I carry it attached to the Night Eyes doohickey, and as such, I can still poke and prod with the best of them. Full disclosure, I got a deal online for a kiss, which is the big brother of the peck and the peck together, and had them both engraved with the number 333. I've since lost that kiss. I guess it's five years ago now. So if you or someone you know was stabbed with a light gray folding tanto with 333 on the blade, uh, my bad. 
The Naiad does not have that problem of overly small handle, because the single scale of titanium, so hot right now, that incorporates the frame lock, of course, is also designed with a pretty big loop on the back. Think of a lowercase b with a blade that folds out. I think you could loop gutted paracord through that loop and still open the knife, but one, there's a separate lanyard hole, and two, for the blade to open or close, it needs to traverse the hole, which would likely cut it if you forgot to push your string out of the way. The hole is for clipping to a carabiner and hanging on your gear in an easy-to-reach spot. Like, right under your left shoulder, almost everyone. And while it's bouncing around there, the blade won't accidentally open and cut you. Did I just decry and celebrate the same feature during one review? Yup. One of these knives uses the feature perfectly and can be incorporated into daily carry with ease as well as kick some ass. The other got me eaten by the Grendel. So, I just did a climbing knife in the Buck Apex and now I did another in the Naiad. But, although they do the same thing, they really are quite different in style. One has a pocket clip and is a carabiner to hook other stuff onto. The other mounts on a carabiner and is itself an accessory. Cats and dogs are both pets, but you know, different. If you are a carabiner of keys person, then the Naiad might be an awesome choice. Serrated and slick and no risk of accidental deployment. I want one for a go-bag folder or a really flat sock knife for when I go out someplace and I just don't want pocket bulk. Forget the other thing. Okay, guys, let's get back into the body of the Pocket Dump podcast with the second half of our interview with Rob. With this spoiler alert right up front, as we recorded this interview in late July... When we talk about current events, they're a little less than current now, although Trump still in the news cycle every day. The subject of the Confederate flag was on Rob's mind as well as mine because it was just all over the news that day. To remind you all real quick, Rob is an attorney, prior Marine Corps officer, lives in the Great Lakes region of New York, and you'll pick up the rest. We are self-reliant people in the EDC community. You carry a skeletal. Because sometimes you might need pliers. Do you carry that on your person or is that in the bag as well? That's in the bag. That goes in the bag. So that's not a clip hanging out of your pocket. Just that knife. It's not. Right. So if you th- I'm going to ask you to consider moving the squid to your back pocket. Okay. So that that clip isn't... With the clip or without... Still okay. with the clip. Carry it almost uh, at your tailbone the... so that it doesn't catch yeah. on things on the way by. That might be a solution. But then you're going to go... But the pocket, the front right, the front pocket is not working well with that clip. Right, right. And it's just got a little bit of a ramp that lately yeah, has been just, just catching stuff. it catches, stuff. it's caught on two things. But I tell you, other, though, other than that, I do like I do like that knife. Same pants? Uh, I don't think so. Because it'd be weird if just the cut of the pocket was creating an angle. No, yeah, I think... That it, your I point of was failure different. was not where you thought it was. I think I think you're, you're right. It's that, that little uprise mm-hmm. at the end of the It's clip. just catching it. You know, meant it's just catching on things. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I carry my knife in my back pocket. I mean, my right back pocket is free, so I definitely could do because that. Because you're unencumbered. Except that you're yeah. like I am. Once something moves for that first couple of months, you're like, where's my knife? Oh, yeah. Right. I check, moved it. Check, check. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'm, I didn't I'm have check. it. I, I'm a pocket checker. Right. Well, sure. I have a minimalist front pocket wallet, which is so small that when I first started using it, it didn't feel like I had my wallet on me, ever. <laughs> that was weird, because it was so much lighter. But it does feel nice to be unencumbered, I have to say. That I just like the feel of it these days. Sure. Well, yeah, maybe, especially maybe like summertime and stuff. So you, because yeah, you're mostly unencumbered, don't need to be a cargo shorts guy. I don't, although I do, you know, when I wear shorts, that's what I tend to wear. But I don't like stuff in the cargo pockets. <laughs> right, so you like to project cargo style. I like cargo style. But That's don't right. like to actually use those pockets for anything. No, and I'm big. I have a lot of carpenter pants. I have a lot of mm-hmm. Carhartt style, you know, but I don't I don't often use those pockets or load them up with anything. Right. I don't like the feel as I walk of, of that mm-hmm. weight. If, if you want to go lightweight enough to wear shorts, then just don't carry things, I think is the yeah, trick. Yeah, that's... That's that's kind of the way. However, I do have cargo pockets on my kilt. <laughs> but that's the kilt I got because, you know, you want to up your manly quotient once you start wearing a skirt. You do. <laughs> I'm not allowed to wear that in front of my wife. 
She was okay with the idea. We've been to Scotland. She was fine with me ordering She just doesn't want to see it. No, here's the problem. In practice, it's a solid color. It's a navy blue kilt. Okay. In a solid color, it really is a skirt. Only if it, <laughs> only if it were, in fact, plaid would right. it look like a kilt and go, that dude is wearing a kilt. I look like a man wearing a, a skirt. And what? Why did you buy a solid color skirt? Because that's the one that 5.11 Tactical had. <laughs> it's, 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 it's ripstop. It's got great cargo pockets, but my usual arrangement. And you keep your stuff the same arrangement all the time. You put on yes. your dress slacks, and this goes here, and this goes here, and this goes here. It doesn't yeah. have back pockets. It has two front slash pockets and then the cargo pockets. So I have nothing okay. on my butt. And I'm used to having stuff. That's where I reach for things. It's a little bit weird. Great for hiking, but it's a very specific garment. I agree. <laughs> it is, however, the most comfortable thing I have ever worn. And when I'm driving long distances for road trips, I put on my kilt. Really? Yeah. You don't notice that, like, your pants are pulling against your knees just a little bit and pulling your weight. Just yeah. put on a skirt and go driving. It's great. It's just, <laughs> you know. Tell the police officer pulls you over and they ask you to get out of the Oh, car. I don't. I've walked. <laughs> I, I've gone all kinds of places in it. Not with the wife. Like, if I'm out of town or she's out of town, I'll just toddle around in my in my kilt for a bit. I've gone to the dog park in the kilt. And people are like, huh, kilt, right? And I'm like, yep, just no problem. No, no, well, let me explain why this is okay. Just, uh, nobody cares. If people are looking at me funny, I don't, you know, I've, I've, I'm used to that. Tell me if this story yeah. is true. This is a story I remember as a legend, and it involves your brother and your dad. Oh, boy. Right, and some World War II regalia, and some photography equipment, and some Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I believe I recall this and that it's accurate. Okay, so your brother had like a full-on, with Mauser, German uniform as yeah. a piece okay. of memorabilia. Yes, correct. And your dad, an avid and excellent photographer, was going to yes. take some like glamour shots-ish sort of... Actually, I, I did that also. You had the World War II stuff? No, I took a ton of shots of, of him my in his, I still have them. Okay, in his gear, in that yeah. gear, as a reenactor of yes. World War II. Inconveniently, right. the local Jehovah's Witnesses <laughs> knocked on the door, yes. and we're not going to let your dad, I believe, go. Like, oh, we're going to talk <laughs> you, your ear off about the. He rounded the corner in full regalia <laughs> and was like, hey, who's at the door? And they're like, we've got to go. <laughs> we are at the wrong house. That's an ancient store, but you know you get to have what you get to have. You you wanna if you want to fly the swastika, I learn a little bit about you as a person. You do. That's certainly true. But your brother doesn't fly the swastika. He didn't tattoo it on him. He's not that Correct. guy. Correct. I am anti-Confederate flag. Yeah. You stated recently that you're okay with it at like parks and stuff, Civil War well, battlefields. Other memorials. My only... Pr like, the State House of South Carolina. I, I, it used to be flying over the State House proper, right? Now it's... Or was. On it was State on, right. House grounds. At a memorial on State House grounds. Right. Is my recollection. On, like, a 30-foot pole that never came yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, I get... Look, I get... I get why it shouldn't be on State House grounds. I, I totally get that. Um... I have a problem with the idea that, you know, it shouldn't be sold in National Park Service gift shops at Gettysburg National Battlefield. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just – I think there's a fine line. I'm, I'm not – Walmart can keep selling it. You can keep buying it. You can put it in the exactly. back of your truck. Yep. I'm a free speech guy. I talk uh, uh, my opinions – on a web, you know, on a web page every week is another hour of me rambling about what I want to ramble about, and on our network is Candid, the political show with Lona Mori. Yeah, I've listened. To and that. she is real outspoken, and I probably disagree with eighty-five percent of the things she says, but I will go to the mat for her right to say and express and do all of that stuff. Sure, sure, as will I. You get to if you want to fly a Confederate flag or tattoo it on yourself, you get to do that. The state of South Carolina doesn't. Right. <laughs> Agree. And you're going to uh, see, you know, license plates and then what? There are two or three other Maryland, states that have Maryland it. has Confederate license plates you could get. Yeah. 
Now there, uh, and the governor, Larry Hogan down here was just talking about, we can recall them. Like if you have a, we could go about the process of, if you have Confederate license plates, you have to turn them in and you have to get the stork or the, you know, Maryland flag or the Chesapeake heron, blah, blah, blah. But that does smack of like the first amendment sort of being in, you know, it sounds funny, Well, it's but just, that's a choice that you make to put that flag on your car. That's an individual thing. It's not. Yes. Yes. Every license plate in Maryland isn't that. Right, correct. So if it does offend you, you don't have to see it. You don't have to deal with it. And so if someone wants to go, no, I'm keeping it up, then we know a little bit about that person. That's right. Well, maybe It's do. like carrying I mean, concealed think, and having a think, t-shirt that says Glock on it. But I think part of, the, part of the problem is the assumption that you know something about somebody because of what they're carrying or what they're wearing. And that's not always the case. I mean... You know, not every Confederate soldier was a white supremacist who owned slaves. Most of them were not. Right. Most of them were poor farmers. So, you know, I understand. I, I, I don't own one. I don't have one on my truck. I never have. Mm-hmm. I understand why somebody who has a great-grandfather who fought has difficulty losing all of that. I think they feel like they're losing all that history right now. Grandpa wasn't a slave owner. Grandpa... You know, was not a white supremacist. He fought what he thought was a noble cause at the time. Mm-hmm. I understand that that feeling. I don't. I don't have one. I'm not one of those people. But I get why some people are um, upset with how fast and riotous it seemed. Vic did a great joke about it in the reboot movie of the uh, Dukes of Hazard, when crazy ass Cooter did up the General Lee and gave him the horn and all of that stuff, they didn't right. realize that the roof of their car had the stars and bars on it. And they're driving to Atlanta that morning. And as every SUB goes by, like this big truck that goes, yeah, baby. And they're like, yeah. oh, they like the car. And then these people go by, like, you racist mother. Like, what is this? I don't understand what's happening. They look at the top of the car and go, ooh, that's ooh. a little divisive, maybe. Um, they won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> no, it's not illegal to paint your car like that. No, but Warner Brothers is taking it off the car. <laughs> what, like digitally? <laughs> not in the old movies, but they said that they're not going to be selling the products anymore with that emblem on it. The car is called the General Lee. Like if you want to buy them, if you want to buy the Matchbox car next year, it's going to have an orange roof. Then it's just an orange seventies. Uh, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, all right. Well, see, that's where I think. Yeah, we're crossing a line here. It's a sitcom. There's the trick there. I'm not making you get that car. I'm not making you buy that car. I'm not making you watch that show. Turn the channel. Exactly. Exercise your right. Yeah. And let the market. Right. But over the gate of the state house. Commercially. Yeah. (laughs) I'm on board with that. I totally agree. But, you know, here's another. So we'll we'll end this at this extreme. Okay. You know, Amazon.com. And Walmart say you can't buy Confederate flags on their website on anymore. I can go buy a, a Nazi stormtrooper model on Amazon right yep. now. I can go buy all kinds of. I can go buy. I can go buy a British Union Jack at the Lexington and Concord gift shop, but I can't buy a Confederate flag at Gettysburg. Well, that's what I wanted to start flying. Is like what. Yeah, the, the British flag that flew over Manhattan after they laid siege to it during the Revolution. Right. Can right. I have that, or is that weird? Right? The, Apparently it's okay. Can I, <laughs> right, can I just, you know, because I really like the, uh, you know, the kamikaze spirit, can I have the Japanese right. flag that flew over Pearl Harbor, you know, that gets... I get it. They are our vanquished enemy, so I think we should probably... But if I wanted it on the wall behind me, I'm allowed to do that. I sure. can I can do that. There was no Union Jack in 1776. It was till 1820 or so when Scotland came back mm. into the fold. It was a diff- It really, it looks like a Red Cross. That's why I didn't do it and put it on my Facebook page, because it's not cool enough. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look all like death to America enough. You know? <laughs> right. um, I wanted to do it as offensive as I could... But with a German heritage, that gets real tricky real fast. Yeah, and I hear you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That, but, like, flying an Israeli flag could be considered as divisive. In some But place, it's not flown cool. over the state house as much, exactly. as much as people want to think that the Jews run the country. And it went up over the state house for a particular reason. Yeah, a very, very racisty one. So let's just go ahead and back that up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ah, good times. So yeah, we're covering free speech. We're covering free expression. Uh, you haven't broken your skeletal. Duff, I have Duff not. broke his. I, I know. I, I saw that picture. It was a little disturbing. I, that's got to be an individual flaw. The Gerber that I have right now, the knife blade on it came out of the box, looks as bad as anything you've ever seen. Yeah. It, terrible. I think the, uh, the edge of my USB is sharper. I have a better chance of cutting myself on a spiral notebook uh, than that thing. It's just absolutely. And that's not how Gerber is. Yeah, it's a no, I think thing. the knife blade is what I've used probably the least on that Skeletool. You know, if I ha- if I need a knife, I've got it. You have a dedicated knife, I've, right? I've used the uh, I used obviously the pliers, and I actually have used the screwdriver bit quite a bit on mm-hmm. that tool. That's a great. I that that's like I think that's the perfection of Leatherman. I I owned a Leatherman back to you know version one, and I probably own not quite half a dozen different ones, but Skeletool is my favorite by far. Because it's not a, you know, two-pound brick of, yeah, I don't really I need all of this stuff. Nice and light. I love the clip on mm-hmm. the end. I mean, it's terrific. Sure, but that's not in your pocket getting yoinked out by uh, by shopping Correct. carts, shopping baskets. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> in the bag. It's in the bag, and that bag is with you all the time. Ish. Just about. Right. So when you go shopping, you don't, you're not carrying it with you into the grocery store, but it's in the car. I am not. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's that sailor's too idea. Far, too far for you? <laughs> Something like, no, if it's not on you, it doesn't count. You know, I'm a carry-on only when I fly kind of person, which makes, yeah. by the way, I am which too. makes being a knife lover difficult. It does. And once you can't see the shore on a ship, well, we're not going back for more duct tape if you don't have it. We're not going back Certainly for more true. chocolate chips if you screw <laughs> if you burn the cookies. What you have is what you have. That's it. So I'm an on-my-person kind of guy. Yeah, uh, I understand that. Ah, uh, chocolate chips. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I've done, on the very first episode, I did the Leatherman Tread, which is uh, divisive. Some people really hate that design. Uh, it's the bracelet multi-tool. And then uh, uh, I've also done, which is technically travel-friendly, the Gerber MP600 Bladeless which doesn't have a cutting edge on it. Interesting. Uh, so you should be allowed to take it on a plane. Except you never know which yeah. TSA employee you're going to get and how much yeah, time you're exactly going to have right. to ask for their supervisor to argue that you can take it on the plane. Exactly. So uh, it gets a little bit tricky. Maybe in the bag a little bit less so. Like, don't have it in your pocket going through the detector. Because then no. they're going to be like, no. well, no, get out. But if you have it in the bottom of the bag or in, in with your laptop or something like that, and go, what's that? Oh, that's a Leatherman. Well, let me see it. Okay, it doesn't have a blade on it. Maybe that just puts them at ease more. Yeah. Hopefully. But I haven't, uh, I haven't had the uh, occasion. I traveled, like when I traveled to Vietnam and stuff, we had checked luggage. We had one right. big check bag and then my wife and I's carry-on. Yeah, if, I, if, we're going away, if we're going away for any time, long time, I do the same thing. I'll check a bag. Mm-hmm. And if I have, want to bring a knife or a multi-tool, I'll throw it in there. Right. I usually throw a flashlight in there also. Now if the plane goes down, I have to find my bag in the cargo hold to be able to do anything. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, because, you know, you'll be on the on the lost island, like trying to, right. trying to rip stuff with your teeth going, where is my... <laughs> I brought stuff that's perfect for this, but it that, that's over there. Um... Yeah, I don't take I don't take my shoes anymore. Uh, to take my shoes off anymore after that. Uh, what's the Tom Hanks movie when he uh, he takes his shoes off and then the plane? Oh, Castaway. Uh, Castaway. Right. Yeah. Well, th- the great joke about that Ugh. he didn't open all of those packages in several years because he right. just loved deliveries so much. <laughs> right. So right. The right. joke was there could be resources in there. <laughs> the jo- right. The joke was I uh, like he opened four of them or whatever it was. The joke was that the next box had a satellite phone in it. Right. How do you not like? Yeah. (laughs) How do you not open Open that? Like, what about one a year on Christmas? That'd have been really funny. (laughs) So that at year five you go, man, I really could have used this (laughs) some time ago. You know, I had a volleyball though and some ice skates. (laughs) Yay, I guess. But having like hardened steel with you on an on an island, even having that skate was a huge help. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Coming out with a giant. I knew they couldn't make it into a good movie, 
but they're going to try. Uh, Matt Damon is going to be in a movie next year of The Martian, which is an excellent hard I, science fiction book. I, I read it. Except because it's a movie, he's going to be talking to himself the whole time. That's true. Which consumes oxygen. See how they so do all of us hard sci-fi nerds are going, he's just <laughs> burning up his own breath. Stop that. But in the book, they make that a thing. Like, I, I've lived in a world of silence because I can't say anything out loud because it expends more oxygen. So yes. it's all an internal it's... monologue. Uh, I'm excited for the movie, though, if it gets people maybe interested in going back to space, which I've met people who seem like reasonable, great human beings who think we never landed on the moon. Yeah, well, that's, you know. The thing is, I've become suspicious enough of the world around me, which is why I carry a knife and want there to be a gun on my person, that I get why we would have faked it is the problem. I understand the motivation I, for faking it. I just, as a matter of faith, believe that we landed. Well, and sure. But, I mean, forget about, like, faking the moon landing. I mean, the government and the media fake things every day. <laughs> right. That you, that that people buy into instead. So that's, the, that's the irony of the whole thing is you've got people out there who don't buy... Um, you know, that we landed on the moon, but they'll buy the the junk that's being fed to them about Donald Trump and the news yesterday. Then that's all show. It's bread and circus is BS. What happened to him yesterday? It's just the conversations continuing about the... Does it feel a little like he's... Junk. It feels a little like he's doing it on purpose? It's theater. It's, it's politics. Just to get all the... Yeah. yeah. Just to get all the attention off of other therefore conservative politicians. Therefore, it's mm-hmm. fake. Therefore, it's theater. It's just yeah. It's a, it's a it's 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 about as realistic as as a trial. A trial is a show for a jury. It's not a search for the truth. It is two sides advocating. It is fifty percent theater. To you're trying to convince somebody of something. That's exactly what politicians do, and that's what they do every day. And, and as a businessman, that's what Trump does. I mean, that's his job is to convince people to let him borrow money and build. Sh- I mean, that's what he does. So how could a guy who is that all about his public persona? Well, how he lives could, and how dies by his public persona. So, how could he say something could, like be, that? Because it's attention. So he's just a... Negative... There's no such thing as negative attention in politics. No, because he's polling number it's one. Att- it's attention. Which is horrifying. And what doesn't get me is, how does somebody who's, you know, paranoid about whether or not we landed on the moon or whether, you know, 9-11 was a conspiracy, mm-hmm. buy his nonsense... It's the same nonsense. Right. It's the same sentence. Uh, there's a comedian slash political pundit named Jimmy Dore. He wrote a book called Your Country's Just Not That Into You. <laughs> right. Uh, and he had a great quote in an interview that I heard where he said, if you are, no matter where you are on the ladder, the socioeconomic ladder, if you are afraid of someone lower on the ladder than you, it is because you are being manipulated by someone higher up the ladder than you. Interesting. How do the Joe six packs and lunch pails, you're afraid of the, the Mexicans or the Ecuador. You're afraid of the illegal immigrants taking your jobs. They're not the ones taking your jobs. Drive to you're in Rochester, drive to downtown Rochester and look at the giant Kodak factory. That's empty. Right. A Mexican waiter didn't make that happen. A company sending its jobs overseas (laughs) made that happen. But they're doing exactly. their job of scaring you. Yeah, and I don't whether it's when there's whether it's intentional and there's a method behind it or not. I think is an open question and interesting to discuss. But that's what's. Happening. I have worked for the armed forces. I have worked for a county in a very bureaucratic state as a law enforcement officer. There isn't a conspiracy to keep this person by name down. Correct. There's no meeting going, we're going to get that guy under arrest again. It's not a conspiracy, but it's a matrix of bureaucracy that just screws him over. It, Once I you wind up in the criminal justice system, you're just all these other rules that sound like good rules. Yeah, it's a mix of, of it's a result of the system that's been built. And it's all, and I think I do subscribe to the, you know, if there's a choice between conspiracy and incompetence, it's probably incompetence. I mean, I... Absolutely. Here's the thing about conspiracies. No one can keep them. Do you think if we had faked the moon landing, one of the cameramen wouldn't have no, bragged no. to a hooker? 
and been like, guess what I did? Like there would be, there would have been a tell all deathbed confession by now. Oh yeah. We never went there. He, 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 but it doesn't help when Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were handing out petrified wood to the King of Norway and telling him it was moon rocks. Right. And then when Uh, reached for comment, Buzz Aldrin said, everyone was asking for moon rocks. What were we supposed to do? (laughs) Tell the King of Norway, no, we didn't have any. So we just, we, we improvised a little. Why don't you have any? Did you not go there? No. We... <laughs> Same problem. <laughs> no, we only had the one carry-on. <laughs> right. right. We were only allowed to bring a certain amount. And they're lowering that. They're shrinking the carry-on. I have luggage I, that I went out and specifically bought for international travel. This is how big your luggage gets to be. And when I fit that, I have to stop packing. And then they go, oh, we're shrinking that. So Tom Bin and other bag makers have to go, great, now we need to make a new set of bag. That's right. And they're doing it in such a way that you're not even going to be able to carry spare pants. And you're going to have to check luggage. Well, now it's cost the, money. Now it's a now it's I think it's the other problem because carriers are charging for checked bags. Everybody tries to carry on everything and people are coming onto planes with mm-hmm. massive carry-ons. Right. Well, as But here's the thing. I don't I want to follow that rule. And nobody's policing it at the gate, you know. I want to... F- I follow the rule and nobody... Right. I've, yeah, I follow the rule. I don't want to pay the money. And I follow the rule of my bag needs to fit in that metal thingy. I do too. And then right. this doesn't count. <laughs> I saw a guy, I think I told this story on one of the other episodes. I saw a man in an international airport with a camouflage load-bearing vest as his <laughs> garment. He's wearing it. It's a vest. And it's just stuffed. Like you rolled up <laughs> towels and shoved them in there. Like all his socks are down the... You know, I'm wearing it. The thing is, you look like you're kind of wrapped in something that's going to detonate, sir. You're, and it's camouflage, and you're scaring the normal uh, people. There's something to be said for the low-profile carry. But, yeah, they're making the rules impossible in air travel for us. But they're making the prices impossible, too, so it doesn't matter. They are. Thanks so much for talking with us. Oh, I have two more questions for you, actually. You didn't ask me if I crammed, either. Uh, no, I didn't ask you if you crammed. We skipped that. Do you have a little checklist next to you? Did you cram for this? I tried to. You tried to? What happened? Shipping. I was- ordered a new holster. I ordered a new holster. I'm having I'm having holster problems with my finding a good one for the sake. So I ordered a Kydex holster so I could say I had a Kydex holster. What are you carrying in now? I don't. Uh, I don't even want to say. Don't you don't have to mention it by brand if you're ashamed. Is it like a leather inside the waistband? Yeah, it's not even leather. It's it's uh, it's actually not bad because it's comfortable. But and we talked about this earlier. You know, I'm not. I am not interested in, you know, the quick draw scenario. So it sits really low. It sits right at the level of the waistband. Mm-hmm. It's easy to hide. It's it's soft. It's more like a, uh, almost like a neoprene. Is it a Remora holster? Okay. No, no, no. But it's, um, it's problematic though. The soft holsters, I've had two, two occasions where um, I ejected the mag. I felt oh. it loose and I had to reach down. Mm-hmm. So you need, I, I ordered a Kydex, custom Kydex holster for its size, but there's not a lot out for the P238s. So I haven't been able to Those find are, a lot of Those are, uh, yours is the 1911 style? Yes. Okay. So it's their really, it's their like three and a half inch barrel or three inch barrel 1911. External it's really, hammer it's, and stuff like that. Has an external, mm-hmm. It's a, it looks like a mini, mini, mini 1911, right. but it's... It's almost a palm-sized gun. You're right-handed. You draw from the left. How did you hit the mag release? It's against my... Right, so you squeezed in. Mag release is That's an interesting one. Somehow squeezed in. Right. That's that balancing act of how cumbersome do I want it to be versus how secure is it when it's in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with... with, Who was it? I think Chris who said... And I like some retention, so the one I Mm -hmm. ordered doesn't have it. This one does have retention. It's just a Velcro stuck strap that goes across your the current one so i i like my current one the mm-hmm. new one will not have that mm-hmm. so we'll see I, i've never carried a kydex before i'll i'll let you know how it goes uh and it's not a hybrid it's a two-sided kydex holster yeah mm-hmm. it's a point point eight two-sided with a you attempted to cram but it didn't arrive in time for you to actually brag about having exactly a new sure exactly <laughs> so it wasn't so much about bragging and have a new holster as not having to admit too bad holster the holster Look. i'm currently using <laughs> Holsters are like packs. I, you know, you go through them like it's just. It seems like you there's go people them. out there who advocate the, and this is not an insulting term, the Mexican carry, which is just jam it in your pants. Yeah. If you get good at that, you can just do that. 
It's called the Mexican carry because of vaqueros being banned, almost like when samurais weren't allowed to carry swords anymore. The new regime government in Mexico said you don't get to be, you know, a a vaquero cowboy. You don't get to carry a holster and all the bullets. So they just started tucking them in uh, to carry them anyway and figuring out these little ways to, like, tie it up, but still have it, you know, have a gun on their person. Because as we all know, violence has been solved in Mexico. (laughs) Oh, buddy. So we're going to go to the junk drawer now, and I'm going to ask you about something that you bought, expecting it to help your whole kit that you now don't carry because things just didn't work out. Yeah. So um, dozens and dozens of different backpacks. (laughs) (laughs) None of which you have put on eBay or sold or traded. They're all still around. They're all still around, but some of them... I I can ad- I'll admit that I probably have packs that I have never used. Bought it, you know, and just something about it just didn't work. But I haven't gotten rid of it. It's downstairs. Um, I am definitely a pack mm-hmm. whore. My wife has called me that. Oh yeah, absolutely. With those exact words, I'm actually more of a pack slut. I think. I'm so easy. Horrors occasionally turn a profit, I mean, and you definitely. Have. I, I, I went. I went to the Tom Bin website. You know, as we were talking about the show, mm-hmm. to make sure I was giving you the right name for my pack, and I was there thinking, I really need this one too. Right. And this one too. Mm-hmm. Well, they have and a new co-pilot that's lighter. I mean, I was at the range on my way home Friday. I stopped at the range and I walked out with a new range pack. Shh, she can hear uh, you. I wasn't I trying to narc you out. Um, but tons of packs. They just, you know, they just don't work out. They're not comfortable, mm-hmm. or the, the security and retention isn't good enough for the. You know. I have this secret love. Like, there's this bag that I love. It's great. It just works perfectly. It's not too heavy. It's just where I want all my stuff <clears throat> when I leave the house. But it is definitely a purse. So we're not yeah, allowed to like it, and it's similar in size. Doesn't have a shoulder strap. So it's a handbag and it doesn't zip shut at the top. It just has two buttons. It's an open topped like bucket. Okay. Yeah. But see, I'd be concerned for about the security. and retention Yeah. It's not for the secure that. stuff. It, this is supposed to go like kind of on my passenger seat so that I can have some extra stuff that I can reach in and grab. And then it comes in the house with me because <coughs> I have a thing that's like a day planner that fits my uh, seven inch tablet, which I do a lot of my scripting and stuff like that yep. on. But I, I forget to pick that up. That just winds up staying in the car, and then the battery's dead, and then, you know, all that. Yeah, like, yeah. I want there to be a bag. And even that um, LL Bean bag, <laughs> bean bag, um, it's blue. <laughs> that's a manly color. It's ripstop. That's manly. It's got cool little pouches. It's got a shoulder strap. I loaded it up on the stuff, and I go, hey, baby, look at this. And he goes, that, that's a pocketbook. Damn. Yeah, that's, it's a tough it's a tough thing. Well, right. So there's the, the, the trick that I mentioned. Was, I, I have several bags like that where, you know, I just, I had it for a couple of days and I said, this looks too much like a purse. I can't mm-hmm. wear <laughs> And so, and you feel that the co-pilot is above that threshold. I do. But you have I other do. bags that are not. You like them. They're I fine. I like them. I would. They don't like I you back. I would wear them. And, and yeah, I would. I had a pair of sunglasses just, uh, that didn't like me back. They were great sunglasses, but it was like the one ring. Like it was trying to escape as as hard as an inanimate object can. So what's missing from your kit? This is the wishing tree. This is that one thing that you wish you had, but for it's too expensive or they don't make it anymore or they don't make the one that you want. What's that thing that you would add to your kit? Right now, it is probably a nice custom-made fixed-blade field knife. Like you, I I track a lot of different things on you know blade forums, Instagram, and there are some beautiful custom knives being made right now. And I'm dying to pick one up. And I just, it's right. I mean, I guess it says tells you you're doing the right thing. The price threshold is right at the. I can afford it, but can I justify it? But I would love to get, you know, nothing too big, maybe six inch overall. And there's some gorgeous stuff being made right now. And I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm seriously thinking. So you don't want to go to Amora for like 30, 40 bucks? No, 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 no. The stuff I'm looking at is 10 times that. Of course. Uh, and they're, go- and they're gorgeous mm-hmm. eyes. And, and just really, 
like packs. I, I when I go on Blade Forms and I, I just want to buy everything. Right. <laughs> uh, I have the. It's. I have a ton. It's of the knives, Becker but... Necker, so it's the Becker knife made by K Bar, in a you okay. know in a corporate partnership, and it's a it's a little three inch fixed blade with a skeletonized handle. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Um, and a little Kydex thingy that I have rigged up so that I can carry it on, basically in the small of my back. Oh, that's a nice looking. It's knife. fine. Uh, it does everything that I want it to do, you know. And if I snap the tip on it, I'm not ruining a four hundred dollar custom made knife. I just yeah. The ones I'm looking at are are not as tactical looking. Sure. <laughs> that, yeah, that may be a thing about that one. They look more like camp knives or you know backwards. Sure. Uh, that knife went with me to Iceland and Scotland. Because I looked up the knife laws in Scotland when I was going to go visit family over there. And their knife law is written to have an exception for Swiss Army knives. So does yours have the paracord handle? Uh, I have paracord on like... the handle, but I, don't, okay. I didn't wrap it. Uh, I wanted to keep it really light, less bulky. I wanted it flat against my body. I made a loop that is um, uh, a loop of paracord that's um, pulled out. So it's gutted paracord. It's bright neon green, that zombie color that I love yep. so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to stick my thumb through it and wrap it over my hand when I draw the knife so that it's basically tied into my hand so I can't lose it. So it's not the best, most comfortable grip, but it's very secure. That nice strap secure. of lime green also has nine glow-in-the-dark beads on it for a click if I'm walking through the woods and stuff. So it's a, definitely it's mm-hmm. a woods knife for me. The funny part was that knife is completely legal to carry in Scotland because folding knives may not have a lock and blades may not be longer than three inches, but it doesn't fold and its blade is only three inches. So technically, I wasn't breaking the law with that. In spirit, yeah, that was way too dangerous a knife for me to be just carrying around Glasgow. But Glasgow's kind of a dangerous knife-happy city. That's what I heard. So I was going to have one just in case (laughs) things got a little bit out of hand. So, yeah, that, that knife has been some places with me. Thankfully, I've never needed it to do anything super tough. But it is very entry-level as far as what you're talking about. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Um, you're welcome. If I ever get arrested My for pleasure. carrying stuff, you'll be the uh, first or second phone call. <laughs> there is all the Rob that makes any sense. Hey, Rob, I know you're listening. Did your wife see the new range bag yet? Also, some quick corrections. The Martian comes out next month now, not next year. I didn't know the release date, but I am stoked to go see that movie really soon. This interview isn't a year old, I just said something that was incorrect. Also incorrect was my comment of the Japanese flag flying over Pearl Harbor. Rob got the point, but I did not mean to say that it actually happened, I was just talking too fast. Uh, I think that's all I got, let's move on. Then head over to the Pure Orgasmic Love Podcast on the Road Intel Network for your weekly dose of sugar. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness Rob crams. Or at least tries to. Welcome to Reverse Engineering. Now I'm going to tell a story backwards. Rob has a brand new holster, and it's a custom Kydex IWB. Before that, Rob had a holster that he wasn't super proud of, a nylon pouch. Rob is a fan of the show and not above cramming for his interview, so he ordered a new accessory for his SIG P238. Rob carries at the appendix, which means in order to draw the weapon, he reaches across his body a bit. Now, a lot of people who carry that way come out looking like the muzzle of the gun was tucked into that fold in the front of their underpants, but they have a holster most of the time. Rob is on record saying he's not insistent on a rigid holster. You know what, let's go back. The easiest holster for the front of your body is soft, either leather or nylon, and it's basically a pocket for your gun. When you draw the gun from a holster like this, the pocket closes, and it's not super easy to put the gun away. Rob says that in the event of needing the gun, replacing it into the holster isn't a priority. Now, Way back, episode 2, I talked inside waistband holsters with Chris, my gunsmith. Rob agrees that retention is important, and the Velcro is nice to have. 
Rob also talks about having accidentally released the magazine from his gun while bending or twisting or whatever. So, I ask him to come on the show, he decides to cram and get a holster he's been thinking about for a while, and he's over the moon about it. But before that, he carried in a pouch. But before that, he carried inside waistband on his hip, just like a police duty belt, but, you know, inside. But before that, he had a military sidearm holster on his hip and thigh. Now's a great time to mention that Rob, although a black belt and a Marine officer, is also a mild-mannered nerd, dad, husband, nerd, attorney, and five foot six. Here's why that matters. I, for example, am over six feet tall, and Chris from episode two is six foot five. We bump into more things than Rob is willing to. And he never got used to carrying his gun right by the pocket where he keeps his money. At the three o'clock position where it scrapes against stuff. Here's a guy who's doing the whole American dream right. Vet, lawyer, husband, dad, bag whore. He carries a handgun consistently. How he carries it just got upgraded. Where he carries it was a decision he made after a bunch of other holsters. If he should carry, that came first. That's reverse engineering. If you follow me on Instagram, you know this already. If you have my Twitter in your feed, you know this already. If you're a fan of the Facebook page, this is old news. I'm running a contest, and the prize is a shout-out on this program. There will be three winners out of all the entries, and with the IG community, the Twitter feed, and Facebook fans all having a head start, dear listeners, you had better get on the ball. So here's what you have to do. You need to make a shopping list for me. With a knife, a multi-tool, and a flashlight, all three, for $40. Not $40 each, a legitimate question that came out of New York, and not 60 a question from Instagram. 40 bucks for all three together. I'm going to list the three best sets on the next episode, so you guys have until midnight Sunday to email me your lists. Three items for 40 bucks, And I'm using scientific method here, everybody. That means... I have to be able to verify the prices. So a story about how this one time at a flea market that you got the thing, that doesn't count. This is supposed to be challenging, but what I'm trying to do here is highlight some cool gear from the low end of the spectrum that's still good gear. So the only other rule is that it must not suck. Want to put a good knife in there and get all dollar store about the flashlight? You won't win. Drop all your money on a high lumen light and choose to carry a steak knife you got at the Piggly Wiggly? No joy. This contest, just like our carries every day, are a balance or a compromise. Your budget for a knife might be in the hundreds, or maybe you feel good about a thousand dollars of gear total on your person, including your phone. Maybe you don't think about budget at all. But if I'm going to favorably compare the new Broas Blade, for example, to a run-of-the-mill pocket folder, I should have a list of those pocket folders to talk about. Bonus points if you can get in under the $40 limit if you own any of the pieces on your list you send me, and I will also allow a $10 premium if all three pieces are made in the USA. All three. Happy hunting, guys. Instagram is Pocket Dump Podcast, all one big long word. Twitter, VPDPC, both with that symbols in front of them. And you can email me, Matt, that's M-A-T-T, in case you guys are all getting it wrong, at roguintel.com contact me anyway it is the same contest I can't wait to see what you get for me that's going to bring us to the end of yet another episode I had a ball making this one putting it together I think it's my funniest one yet special thanks of course to the band Rocktopus which later became known as As Fast As and has kind of the same guys in it Andy was on drums Ache on bass Zach Jones ladies and gentlemen on guitar and some vocals Spencer Alby at www.spenceralby.com is the lead singer keyboard player uh, and guitarist for most of those as well as the songwriter uh, who gave me permission to use these awesome awesome songs as the music that you're hearing through all of my shows so very very special thanks to them Of course, thanks go out to all the other shows on the network that have been holding it down and continue to kick a whole bunch of ass. If you are a candid listener and you are wicked, wicked mad at the stuff that I said, this episode turned out to be the perfect time for Lona to take a week off and have you all listen to me. I'm sure you're mad. I will take comments. I will take arguments. I do not take abuse. That's it. 
I told you how to tweet at me. It's at the PDPC. I told you where I am on Instagram. It's at Pocket Dump Podcast. And I told you my email, Matt at RogueIntel.com. That's one word. There's not dots in between the Rogue and the Intel, in case you're doing that bit wrong. Thank you to Duff, who I keep making fun of for breaking multi-tools. Thank you to Swamp Ape for your encouragement and Dragonfly for letting me make fun of you guys on the show just a bit. Go to RogueIntel.com, check out all of their shows and the other shows. We have our literary show, Proof is Up Now. We have Now That I'm Older with a great bunch of people out of Atlanta. Check them all out. I have listed them all already. You will hear from me soon.
Fun fact, the Rising Sun Japanese flag, a red dot with stripes radiating toward it, was painted on the deck of all the Japanese aircraft carriers. Those carriers' decks were made of wood. Sort of a perfect storm for U.S. Navy pilots to hit them with bombs once we found them out in the ocean. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 